0: Bow your hearts with me. Dear God, we need you now. We need your presence. Fall, fall on us, Holy Spirit, right now. Amen. Today's gospel is a story of encounter and evangelism. The chapter, beginning with the first disciples, Andrew and Simon, shares where Jesus found Philip, how Philip found Nathaniel, and centers a Jesus who sees, who finds us all. I love Philip's evangelical urgency. I read this part of the story and marvel at the power of an encounter with Jesus, an encounter so compelling it can't help being shared. I read it thinking of my husband. If you don't know it yet, Rodney right there is the evangelist in our family. He's the one who tells and spreads the good news of a Messiah in his life (laughs) to everyone he meets. I called him out, I did. (laughs) I, I read and remember my own encounter and the fire that burned within me to share it with my friends. So yes, that was me leading prayers with my fellow dance mates before performances. Gather around in a circle, everybody. We're gonna pray, right? The encounter, knowing the presence of the Lord changed me. I was never the same and wanted others to come and see. Jesus is, after all, the one. He is the one about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. He is the good news that aligns itself with the lowly as it makes its way around Galilee. Jesus wants us to remember the undeniable encounter with him and its accompanying invitation to partner with him in the work of liberating love. Read today, John's message is for us, the members of the faith who need encouragement during tough times. We've seen and need to see again. So we read and remember our own life-changing encounters. But John's message is also for those of us who have not yet seen, who find ourselves longing, waiting, hoping, seeking. I'm thinking about Nathaniel. And where I once cast him as judgmental and doubtful, I'm considering an even more vulnerable side of him. I'm seeing Nathaniel as one who desperately needs to see. Is he jaded and cynical or simply frustrated? Scripture is about interpretation, and today I don't hear him belittle Nazareth. No, I hear him wondering about his studies on the prophecies and the one he was waiting for. And Jesus meets him right here in this tender, super tender space. Jesus sees Nathaniel first and starts that deeper and inward looking into the soul of his being. He sees Nathaniel, the seeker, who had been looking for the Messiah. He sees him under the fig tree, which is traditionally a space used for study and reflection. He sees Nathaniel's inquiry. He sees Nathaniel's hope. Jesus meets him. Jesus speaks to the moment with words spoken as transformative truth, words that pinprick Nathaniel's heart with an undeniable authenticity. I saw you. Jesus's words were an unveiling, an exposure, maybe even a healing. And they are absolutely the grounding pathway that leads to the creative, potent, imaginative and communal work of love that will come next I saw you the God who has been and will be the God who has seen and will see steps into Nathaniel's life and he is never the same Jesus looks into the soul of Nathaniel and identifies his heart and character his need This revelation is freeing in the best way, nothing is hidden, all is found, every detail revealed. And it is from this liberating exposure that arises Nathanael's response. Jesus is for him, now and forever, rabbi, son of God, king of Israel. Jesus' call is insistent and his words are divine. His words opened Nathanael's spiritual eyes to see the Jesus who first saw him. With the psalmist, Na- Nathanael would sing, Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You trace my journeys and my resting places and are acquainted, acquainted with all of my ways. The God who memorizes us in Jesus invites us to see, to latch on to a sense of vision for the future. The hope of redemption for the entire world. A path illumined beyond despair. So any call from Jesus must be first remembered from this acknowledgement. God sees us. So I'm reading crucial points of the text backwards, right? Knowing the encounter begins with being seen and known. I saw you, come and see, follow me. And yet we know it is never this simple. Follow me begs the question, what's next and how? In Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Where Do We Go From Here, the last book written before his assassination, he poses an important question and proposes a choice. Chaos or community. In it, he urges us to dream with our eyes open and digs into this idea of futuristic vision and focus. Philip has it. And that kind of seeing begins right now. It is shared with a sense of immediacy. Dr. King pushes past the one-day-we-shall to the fierce urgency of now, this moment. In this moment, we claim our identity as God's beloved. In this moment, we latch on to the inward and life-affirming acceptance of being seen and known. In this moment and always, our identity is an integral part of the eternal, this never-ending, imperishable dream of love and that dream is only possible as we make it so. Over 60 years ago on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial Dr. King delivered his famous I have a dream speech expressing a vision for a world at that time as yet unseen. On that day, he predicted the nation would attempt a return to business, as usual, and encouraged us to resist any ensuing blindness. He knew of the power of institutions and of a system's inclination to preserve itself. He knew this work would be slow. He knew the work of waiting and hoping. And yet here we are, a more fragile, frightened, and hurting nation faced with the same questions, chaos or community, change or die. Only now the demand for that answer feels like a fire under our feet. It feels like we're running out of time. We and our children, I might add, are routinely exposed to unfathomable levels of brutal violence. The atrocity of human suffering in Gaza being the most current source. We are experiencing in real time the backsliding of our democracy. Our 45th president seeks immunity from prosecution for criminal activity enacted while in office. There's climate change, immigration reform, and book banning. There are active threats to the Voters' Rights Act of 1965, attempts to eliminate the study of critical race theory, a relentless assault on the leadership of black women. This ongoing chaos impacts us, but it is critical that we examine it. Critical that collectively we endure this kind of reckoning. Critical that we begin the inner work of acknowledgement, of seeing, of God consciousness that leads to transformation. Our digging into the text today is a reminder and centering of Jesus as Messiah and the consistent reflection on the question of what. Following Jesus really means. After the seeing and entering, after the see- seeing and entering in, what are we to do? If we know the work to be slow and we don't have time, where do we go from here? What's next? In the next chapter of John's gospel, Mary makes it plain, distills it down to five simple words. Do whatever he tells you. Dr. King tells his own story of following Jesus when he shares his journey to the work of activism. In his struggles as a national civil rights leader, which included the threat of death, he said he heard a voice that told him, Martin, you do what's right. You stand up for justice. I'll be with you. This encounter fueled his drive to keep going. Beyond this tuning into what Jesus commands, we have to be laser focused. We can't get caught up in the failures of our time. We're called to see beyond them and to remember the signposts, the beacons of light that compel us forward inspired by the revolutionary spirit of Dr. King and others who remind us that we do have a choice. We can be part of the change we wanna see. We can confidently step into the role as co-laborers with God. We can be about the work of repair and restoration. We can expand our capacity to grow and change. We can do that right now. The call, the invitation to come and see is important. We know discipleship, the creating and forming of new believers to spread the good news to be paramount to our calling as people of faith. Even more so is our mindfulness surrounding what we are inviting them to. Are we inviting them to a theology of hostility and death? One that celebrates white supremacy, promotes institutions over people, condones racist rhetoric of a church that sees not the image of God in all, of shaming and othering? Or are we inviting them to a journey of reflection and growth where, with eyes wide open, together we confront the harsh realities of our time with hope? Will we invite them to fear-driven hate speech or racial collaboration and harmony. What are we inviting them to come and see? What does it mean today to follow the way of Jesus, the Palestinian Jew? If we're following the Jesus of the way, we know the call to be an authentic, expansive, and exploratory movement. One that begins with encounter and calls us to be more than we are. Encounter is the basis of faith. It is always the power of the Gospel, the power of God that creates the shift. The portal opening Jesus is the path and God's truth, God's love always wins. God is moving. The Spirit of God will have its way both in our individual and corporate understanding of our calls to the work, to the work of the movement. Nathaniel's call is personal, that's for sure, but it is left here for us to discern its communal implications. It is only as we each lean into the inner work of attending to the voice of God that the mission advances forward at all. King's work is still relevant. We need wisdom and hopeful vision like his as we navigate the uncertainties of our modern world. We need the prophets, the voices that call us back to remembrance of ourselves as held, named, seen, beloved, beloved of God. We need them because this work is slow and hard and things are not as they should be. They aren't. But we can't get stuck in the story of failure that leads to hopelessness. We can, I'll even say we must, use this sense of chaos as creative energy, kindling for a new way of thinking and dreaming, new ways of imagining ourselves as balanced-minded warriors of peace. We can use it to push ourselves to action. Trust that you are seen. Trust that God will meet you. Lean into the encounter with Jesus as and however he reveals himself to you and find your role in the work of love and liberation. See the possibilities. See with the eyes of love and courage. Don't stop dreaming. See beyond. Strive for a robust sense of spiritual idealism, and do that right now. Change is here, and so is the good news. Like Philip and Rodney, tell your story, don't keep it to yourself. With Nathaniel, trust the God who sees you. Give yourself, your whole self, to this vulnerable, expansive, ever-changing, and absolutely worth it mission. I'm going to invite you to get comfortable as we pray. Maybe just go inside again. Close your eyes. Maybe take a deep breath. And so just pray with me, or align your hearts with me as I pray this prayer. God of evangelism and encounter, of Philip and Nathaniel, of Rodney, of you and me. God of love and justice. God of princes and principalities, institutions and nations. Grace us with the gift of sight. Help us to see and feel seen. God of the mission, God of the way. Give us ears to hear and courage to obey. Help us to see clearly the road ahead. Order and protect our steps. Grant us wisdom and peace. God of prophets and leaders. God of the waiting and wondering. God of the tired. God of the mission-minded. God of the dreamers. Help us to be more than we are. Empowered, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help us to enter the brave space that is your path. Illuminate this journey. We need you, Lord. Help us to walk with open minds and hearts. Help us to lead and be led by love. And we need you now, Lord. So this prayer comes with the fire under our feet, that sense of urgency and desperation, desperate hope. Lord, do it. Do it right now. Amen.